Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, Dogwood Church. You sound really good today. Wow, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I'd like to uh, welcome you to our service today. If uh, you're disappointed in the message, please know I'm not the regular pastor. And uh, there's much to look forward to beyond today. (laughs) We we are in a series called Twisted. In fact, pull out your bulletins and uh, look at your listening guide. I want to encourage you to take some notes, especially the, the things that God is laying on your heart today. Because I believe he, if you're open to it, will speak to your heart a timeless word to encourage you, to lift you up. And that has been my prayer for you for several weeks now. That God would use his word today in this service to penetrate your heart and encourage you. Our series is called Twisted, Untangling the Most Misused Verses of the Bible. I keenly am aware that for some of you, as we've been preaching on some, maybe some of your favorite passages, you have it on a coffee mug, it's embroidered by your, your, your great aunt. And, uh, but as, you, as we get into the depth of these, you may be disappointed. It's, it may not say exactly what you thought it did all along. And I hope you're not taking your Philippians 4.13 t-shirt and polishing your furniture with it yet. I, I hope that you'll understand that when we understand the truth of God's word, in the proper context, that it's always better than how we misunderstood it. It's always better than how we misunderstood it. And uh, I'm keenly aware of the fact that one of the reasons I misuse Scripture, not only the five that we're looking at uh, this month, but one of the reasons I misuse Scripture is the fact that I focus so much of my life on the physical And yet God is moving me to look at the spiritual. I love uh, old movies from the 30s and 40s. In high school, I started watching them. And I don't know why. I just really, I just enjoy that era. And so even in high school and to this day, I I regularly watch old movies. And in the mid-90s, 20 years ago, uh, there was one movie I was watching called Chance at Heaven with uh, Joel McRae and uh, Ginger Rogers. You're probably impressed I know all this stuff, and it's, it's so, such useless information, yet I keep spouting it. And, uh, but I, I watched this movie, really enjoyed it, had a lot of twists and turns, but for some reason, the last 10 minutes was cut off of the VHS tape. Now, do you know what a VHS tape is? For, for those of you not old enough, it's a tape like this, and, it, and this, this is the hand sign for how you record it. Somehow, the last 10 minutes got cut off. I've been trying to find this movie for years. 20 years. I had no idea how this ended. It, 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 just, it just bothered me. Well, this week I found it, and I recorded it on my DVR, and I started watching it. And I want you to know, the ending really sucked. Boo. I mean, it was just, it was just a terrible ending. It was like, I waited 20 years for this. I can't believe this. It's awful. Just awful. Midway in the movie, I watched it from the beginning to the end just to get the context. Midway in the movie, uh, there's a scene at a party, and there's probably a, a couple dozen young adults, 20s, 30s. There's dancing, there's music, and everyone's happy and smiling. And then this weird thought occurred to me. Everyone I'm looking at, this movie was made in 1933, so do the math. Everyone I'm looking at is dead. Didn't mean to bring you down so much, but <laughs> it was a sobering moment for me. Wow, 
20 years ago when I watched it, a lot of those people were still alive. Now they're, they're not on this earth anymore. It was just a great reminder for me that I look at the physical so much, and I read the scripture looking at the physical, but yet God is asking us to look at something far more important than the physical. In fact, Jesus was teaching one day about the worries of life, and the worries of life a couple thousand years ago were so much more significant than ours. They had no safety net. Many of those people had no idea where their next meal was coming from. Many of them didn't know where to lay their head at night. And Jesus is talking about the concerns of life. And he said that you have these things, but listen, God will take care of that. Seek first God and his kingdom and his righteousness, the spiritual things. And all these other things, these worries about your food and clothing and a place to stay, all these things will be added to you. The spiritual is far more important to focus on than the physical. Why? God will take care of this physical. For his people, he will take care of the physical. That's true in your life. You look back, God is always taking care of your physical. And yet, we spend so much time looking at the physical. And I believe God wants us to see things that he sees them. And what he sees is this. This life is temporary. Our bodies are falling apart we will, barring Jesus coming back, praise God, we will die. He's far more concerned about what we're doing to prepare for that day when we step into eternity. That's very sobering, isn't it? And God speaks to us words of hope. Now, whenever the Bible uses the word hope, it's very different than the way we use hope. Like we'll say, I hope the Braves make the playoffs and win the World Series. You know, that's dreaming and wishful thinking. (laughs) Hope, according to the Bible, maybe next year, hope, according to the Bible, is being absolutely certain. And that word is used over and over and over again. And what are we certain of? We're certain of, if, if we trust in Jesus, if we receive him, if we change ourselves and receive him and surrender ourselves to Jesus. We have hope now and forevermore. It changes the way we look at life today, but more importantly, it gives us the most significant thing we can hold on to, the recognition that one day we will be with our creator who knew our name before creation. We can have that hope. But the path to that hope and the path to that eternal home that he is promising to us may be very different than what we think. I was uh, talking with um, a family member a few years ago about our favorite Bible verses. She was sharing hers. I was sharing mine. And she grew up in the church. I grew up in church. So we both knew the Bible very well. But then she paused and said, really, my favorite verse is the one that says, God will never give us more than... Than we, than we can handle. Now, I'd been to seminary. I, I took the course, Things Not in the Bible 101. I, I knew that wasn't in the Bible. And it's not in the Bible. Listen, we wish it was in the Bible. Why? Because we're focused on physical things. This morning, uh, we're going to look at the truth of what we can and cannot handle. And my prayer for you is that you would receive it as God wants you to receive it in your heart today.
I titled today, um, today's message, Life Outside the Bubble. That's what our community's called, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. If you're living here, you're living in the bubble, by the way. There's, there's even a Facebook group called Life in the Peachtree City Bubble. You all, you all familiar with that? If you, you really, if you want to be entertained, take a photo of a snake, put it on that site, and simply say, what's this? <laughs> For hours, people will, will, will talk about it. They're very passionate about snakes in our community, right? <laughs> and we live in a very nice community around here, and, uh, and we're far away from the violence and all the other stuff in the big, big city, but, but I want you to hear this. There is no bubble. There is no bubble of protection around us. Bad things happen even to Christians. Really bad things happen even to Christians. There is no bubble of protection around us. But listen, I hope you hear this. There is hope. And it's deep and abiding and significant hope. Today we're going to look at several passages of scripture. They're they're written for you in your bulletin. I'm not going to give you a lot of time to look them up, so you better hurry. Okay. And the first one is 1 Corinthians 10.13. I'll give you a little intro for it before we jump in. 1 Corinthians 10.13. Paul had established his church at Colossae. They were a bunch of immature people. Why? Because they didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. They knew nothing about the Old Testament. They were very immature. He had to work with them. They they did things a lot of people did during pagan times. They sinned a lot. And so the whole book of 1 Corinthians, in many ways, is just, just reminding them what please, what's pleasing to God. And they became very arrogant, and, and that's part of why he's writing this. Part of their arrogance was, hey, we can still party and not worry about temptation. Well, Paul is saying, well, that's, that's not entirely true. That's not entirely true. You need help. You need help. So that's the context, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. We sang that this morning, didn't we? God is faithful. I, I, know, I know that is so true, isn't it? God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he will also get, provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. Now, as you're listening to this, may God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. If you're listening to this, you probably understand how the confusion came with that statement. You know, God won't let anything happen to you that you can't handle The truth is, he's not talking about burdens that come upon us. He's talking about temptations. And so this morning, I want to talk about both. I want to talk about temptations and what what God does to help us with temptations and how he provides us a way out, and he does. But I also want to talk about burdens. Some of you have deep, significant burdens today. Some of you are being tempted and you need help. Some of you have deep and abiding burdens right now. And this, this is God's word to us today. And the, his word about temptations, let's talk about temptations. His word to us about temptations is simply this. You turn to him, he'll get you out of it. You turn to him, he, he will get out of it, get you out of it. Now, it sounds simple, but it's not. And I'm going to give the, the best illustration I know about how do I deal with temptations. Jesus was tempted early in his ministry. In fact, he was baptized the Spirit of God spoke from, the voice of God spoke from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Right after that, God ships him off for 40 days and 40 nights without eating or drinking in the wilderness. And at the end of that, Satan comes and tempts him. Now, we can learn from Jesus how he dealt with that temptation. 
We can learn how do we flee from temptation due to the two things Jesus did. I'm going to give you two words, two words. Proximity, confidence. Proximity, proximity to God, confidence in God. Proximity to God, what does that mean? It means just like it sounds, to be close to God. How close? Really close. How often? All the time. Proximity to God is not opening uh, your laptop every morning, reading a scripture, saying a pray, prayer, and pretty much forgetting God the rest of the day. That's not proximity to God. That's a good start. But one of the things we learned from Jesus was he said, I will do nothing apart from God. Jesus was constantly in relationship with God. And uh, Jesus was able to withstand the worst temptations ever given on this earth simply because he was close to God. But not only that, proximity to God also means knowing God's word. Knowing God's word. What does that mean? It means we read it, we engage it, we listen to it. We don't just have to read it. We can listen to it. We absorb it into our lives so that when temptation comes, we can speak the word of God to that temptation. It's exactly what Jesus did. He said, it is written to to Satan, and he would throw a Bible verse at Satan. Proximity to God, confidence in God. What's the confidence in God? Confidence that God's going to get me out of this. Confidence in the might and the power of God. Confidence in the goodness of God, that he has a plan despite the fact that temptation is coming on me. You may feel picked on when there's lots of temptation around you. If anyone was picked on, it was Jesus. I mean, he hears from his father, I'm pleased with you, and I get in the desert for temptation time. That's why in the, the model prayer, Jesus ends, lead us not into temptation. Well, he knew why, right? <laughs> I don't want you going there. I've been there. It's not good. But listen, there is a way out. There's always a way out. How? Proximity to God, confidence in God. That's, that's how we resist temptation. I want to shift now, though, to burdens. Temptations are not the same as burdens. What, what are burdens? I'm going to give you some examples. It may be true of some of you today. A burden is experiencing overwhelming grief or despair. A burden is physical, mental, and emotional brokenness. A burden is an addiction that's too much for us to handle on our own. Those are burdens. And what does the Bible say about burdens? The first one we're going to look at is at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is his second letter. The church has matured <laughs> some. And uh, these are the words he's speaking. And, and by the way, these words you'll probably never see on a t-shirt or a coffee mug. And yet, these are words. <laughs> By the way, my small group is laughing at me now. But if you're in my small group, would you raise your hand? I do need to honor uh, the, these people. These are obviously my favorite uh, people in the church, even more favorite than the other group members that were at the first service, and I didn't acknowledge them. So y'all are my new favorites. My new favorites. Hey. Okay. You probably won't find this passage on a T-shirt or a coffee mug. Because it's not the kind of soundbite that you're looking for. But listen, I hope you can hear this. I need this, and you need this. I need to hear what Paul is saying. Listen, you need to hear what Paul is saying. And this is what he's saying about those overwhelming burdens that come into our lives. We think, 
This is Paul speaking. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. He was establishing churches there. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, this is where it gets good. (laughs) But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. So I want you to know from this verse, it sort of debunks the whole concept that God will never give us more than what we can handle. In fact, Paul had far more. Paul and his team had far more than they could handle. And notice the words he's using there. My goodness, overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. You ever feel that way? Yeah. The most powerful statement here that Paul makes is the best place we could ever be on this earth, relying wholly upon God. Paul's saying, I don't know why this happened, but I do know this. Looking back, we were forced to rely completely on God. If you're looking for true hope today, that's where it's found. Unfortunately, we live in a society that very much values personal responsibility. Don't get me wrong, I believe that's a good thing. My parents certainly raised me to be personally responsible. And to a certain extent, Paul would agree with that. He said in Galatians, everyone should carry his own load. What's that mean? It means, suck it up, buddy. Life's tough. You know, just keep going. Later, he says this. This is kind of interesting contrast here. And this, this is kind of the challenge of incorporating our American culture with the Bible. And sometimes it matches, but sometimes it doesn't. And this is where it doesn't match. Sometimes, no matter how responsible we are, we cannot carry the load by ourselves. How do I know that? Paul says this in Galatians 6.2, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Loving each other. (laughs) What is a burden compared to a load? It's interesting. Earlier he said everyone should carry his own load, but now he's saying you should carry one another's burden. What's the difference between a load and a burden? This is the beautiful thing about, about the Greek language the New Testament was written in. When he's saying everyone should carry his own load, it's like having a backpack full of rocks in it. You know, Every day there's a burden, right? Some of you drive Atlanta traffic every day. That's a load, right? <laughs> you don't like it? Hey, but I got to do it. That's a load. When he says, carry one another's burdens, he's talking like about a gigantic boulder that we cannot bear alone. There are times in our lives where we cannot carry the load by ourselves. And the encouragement Paul is giving to us is this. You can turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ and they will carry that load with you. There's a lot that can be said about this church that I love so much. But if you go on our website, look under ministries. If you're carrying a burden too heavy for you to bear alone, there are all kinds of ministries in this church to help you. If you're going through cancer or your family's going through cancer, if you're going through a divorce or you're grieving the loss of a there are ministries and people that will come alongside and help you carry that burden 
One of the best ministries in this church is our Stephen ministries. Some of you have had burdens that you've never shared. Before I I can have someone else carry my burden with me, I have to share it. There are people in this church and the Stephen ministry that are trained to do just that, to listen to your heart and your hurts that are too much for you to bear alone. No Christian should ever suffer alone. Can I have an amen? And this church is here to help you with that. I've learned through the years that hurt people hurt people. You know what I'm saying? You're hurt. If you don't get healing, what do you do? You hurt the people around you. But listen, I've also learned this. Healing people help people. People that have gone through tremendous burdens and found healing because they relied on God and others came alongside them. They are the ones that will come alongside you. My question to you today, is that you? Are you a healing person that's helping someone else? Because if you're not, if you're a hurt person, I can assure you, you are hurting the people around you. And you need help. You have a burden that's too big for you to bear alone. And you need help. And there are people in this church that can help you. But you'll have to get over the pride that often fills us to admit this burden is too much for me to bear alone. When I uh, graduated from seminary, I interviewed with uh, several churches and one church called me as their pastor and um, the church was 116 years old at the time and there were still some charter members serving on the church board as I recall. You, you, get, you get my point. It was a family owned and operated for over a century. It was a very small, inclusive church. At one time, it was a very rural community. The bigger city was beginning to catch up. The community was changing. They were looking for a young pastor for the first time in anyone's memory. They thought I would be the person, and I was excited about being there and be their pastor. A week before I moved there, though, the previous pastor, Ed, calls me and says, uh, hey, David, I heard you're, you're going there. And he said, I just want to encourage you. There's some people in the church you need to seek out right away. These are people that will love you and encourage you. And I remember writing those names down and years later looking at that list and thinking he was exactly right. These were the people in hindsight were the people that helped me carry the burden that would come upon me. And I was so encouraged that he would reach out to me and let me know who those people were. Then he said one more thing. He said, David, in fact, I'm going to tell you one more thing. And I don't want you to ask any questions but I'm just going to stay, say it, and I'm going to get off the phone. I, I said, sure. He said, beware the Lee brothers. I said, what do you mean? He said, I, I told you not to ask any questions. <laughs> and he, stayed, he said it one more time. Beware the Lee brothers. And he hung up. And when I got off the phone, I thought, I knew the Lee brothers. They were in the interview process. They were leaders in the church. They were highly respected people in the community. They're probably the wealthiest people in the community. And they were also all in their 80s. One was 80, one was 82, one was 84. My first thought was, what could three 80-year-old men do? 
you're picking up how naive I was, right? <laughs> I was keenly aware of, uh, of Ed's words. And so the first year, I was very careful around them. But I went to visit them, got to know them and their families. And uh, after a year, things were going really well at the church, far better than I ever anticipated. And the community was responding, and people were coming, and some people were coming back, but we were getting new people. And, it, it, and the reflection of the community around us was coming to this, this little church, and it was just absolutely amazing. And then one Sunday, our organist, Merle, comes up to me and says, David, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually a member of a Seventh-day Adventist church. I had no idea. And she said, I go to my church on Saturday. We meet on Saturday, and I come here on Sunday. I've been doing this for many years. I play the organ at my church on Saturday, and I play the organ here on Sunday. She said, I need a break. I said, okay, how, how long do you need off? She said, I, I don't know. I'm just worn out. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll find someone to fill in, and when you're ready to come back, let me know. So the first thing I did was I remember there's a local Christian Bible college not far. I called the music professor and said, hey, uh, we have no budget for this, but we have a pipe organ. I'm told it's really nice. Maybe you have a young student or a student that could come and play and fill in. I don't know how long it's going to be. He said, I have the ideal person. She's a protege of mine. So after I looked up the word protege, I said... That's great, send her over. So Libby, Libby came over, Libby's six feet tall. She kind of scared me, very skinny, kind of tall, very scary. She gets behind the organ, and I don't know if you've ever heard a pipe organ when they're warming up. It sounds awful. You know, it's just making all this horrible noise, and I'm thinking, well, I made a big mistake here. But then she starts playing. Woo! To this day, I have not heard organ music played as beautifully as Libby did that day. Stunned. Stunned could not wait to ask her to join us. And she was excited too. She was looking for an opportunity. Loved the organ. And two weeks later was our homecoming Sunday. And man, former members were coming back. And it was, I mean, there were people standing in the aisles. There wasn't even room for any more chairs. It was that kind of Sunday. Libby's playing and people are like, wow. And I'm sitting in the big fluffy pastor chair thinking, man, things are going well. And then afterward, we had a fellowship meal, and uh, all this food laid out, potluck. I was the last one in line, and I don't know if you've ever been in a potluck, last one in line, but you're looking at stuff, you have no idea what it was. I didn't care. I'm slopping whatever, uh, and the reason I don't care is everything was going perfectly. Until I got to the end of the line, and I could hear the footsteps behind me. It was one of the Lee brothers And he said in a very loud voice, David, why don't you like the way Merle plays the organ? And I immediately said, that's not true. He said, I heard you didn't like the way she played the organ. And that's why you got rid of her and brought in this young woman to play the organ. I said, that's not true. He said, I know a young man who's getting too big for his britches. And by this point, everybody in that room is looking at this conversation. And by the way, that's not true. I always buy big clothes. It always makes me look like I lost weight. But (laughs) isn't it kind of interesting? Those statements, those hurtful statements last to this day. And then he really lit into me. And it just was a barrage, a barrage. And all I could say is that's not true. He finally walked away and 
I went to my office and collapsed. And my head was spinning. And I wondered why God had forsaken me. Why God had taken the bubble away from me. Why his protection wasn't upon me. I've only shared this story publicly. I shared it with my small group recently, but publicly, only with pastor groups. When I tell the story, I always see heads nodding. (laughs) But when I told it in our small group, I saw some heads nodding in our group. I thought, this is a story for all of us. It's a reminder, even if we're doing what God calls us to do, even if we're faithful in that, we should not expect him to put a bubble around us. But he does something absolutely extraordinary. When those burdens come upon us that are too much for us to bear alone. In fact, what happened next in this story is absolutely amazing. And I really wish I had time to finish it, but I don't. So, <laughs> Really, I'm not going to finish it, but maybe 20 years from now. I, I waited my movie ending. Maybe you'll, you'll wait that. I will summarize some things for you about what God taught me. He taught me through that to rely on him wholly. And I had not been doing that. In fact, for a year I had been building a church in my own strength. And I realized in hindsight how absolutely fruitless that was. Are you trying to do things in your own strength? Let me tell you, you will ultimately fail. You will. God also brought someone in my life to help me bear that burden. One of the church members called me that night. He worked for Eastern Airlines. You remember them? And he wasn't there, but he called. And this is what he said to me. I'll I'll never forget what he said to me. He said his wife told him everything that had happened. She was there. He said, David, I want you to know something. I believe in you. Do you know what it means to have someone say that to you? I believe in you. And God put this person in my life. And listen, he's putting those people in your life right now. People who believe in you. People who will help you bear that burden alone. But the greatest lesson I learned through this whole episode, and truly, it it really is interesting. I really wish I had time to finish it, but it really is interesting. But this is the most powerful truth of all. God doesn't put a bubble of protection around us for harm or burdens. But nor is there a bubble around his love for us. Because what I experienced in this whole episode was God's love being poured into my heart as I relied wholly upon him. And I pray whatever burden that you have right now, you recognize that there's no bubble around God's love for you. The most significant thing, listen, you can ever do in this life is to to know this, that God's love is being poured into your heart right now. As you wholly rely on him. I'm going to tell one more uh, story. I'll ask the the team, the, um, the band to come forward at this time. Is that a good enough hint for y'all, by the way? The band come forward right now. Just, just kind of <laughs> not always known as being the most subtle person uh, 
Chad. But I got one more story to tell. It's a kind of a sad story with a fantastic ending. Fantastic ending. And part of the ending, and the reason it's a fantastic ending, is uh, this passage in Romans 5 5. If you have your Bibles, this will be the last passage we'll look at this morning. Romans 5 5, which simply says this This hope, remember, remember how we define hope? This absolute confidence in my salvation through Jesus. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. The word that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit was the paraclete, the one who comes beside and speaks and gives whatever we need. I had a very close relationship with my dad In fact, as the years go by, I recognize the relationship I had with my dad was much closer than most people have with their dads. My dad grew up in the Depression. Uh, He grew up uh, really with a hard uh, uh, family life. And uh, in fact, he he never said, I love you. It was not practiced in his family. And as as a child, even though I knew I was loved, my dad never said he loved me until... The funeral of his dad, my grandfather. At the end of that funeral, he came up to me and he hugged me and he whispered this in my ear. I love you, son. It was the first time I had ever heard those words from my dad. Every time I saw my dad henceforth, which was many, many times, it always came with a hug and it always came with the voice I love you, son. Seven years ago, one of the hardest things, maybe the hardest things I've ever done was to hold my dad's hand in the hospital while he was dying. It was a burden too heavy for me to bear alone. And yet I tried to hold it together for my family. I tried to hold it together for my mom and for my sister and my brother's. And I held it together and I spoke at my dad's service, but not long after that, it all came out. I was in my laundry room. Why it came out in the laundry room, I have no idea, but it was in the laundry room. And I fall on the floor and weep and sob uncontrollably. I don't even know how long it was. All the emotions were just coming out. And then finally it stopped. And there was a great calm. As I realized the Spirit of God was beside me, pouring into my heart all the love that God has for me, and whispering into my ear, I love you, son. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word, and we thank you that your love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and all of God's children said, Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcasts, 
video, and to give.